Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome along to another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. Well, it's certainly been a hectic time in the UK over the last few weeks, driven of course by some real monetary and fiscal uh, uncertainty and just recently at the time of recording we've seen the the change from Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng to Chancellor Jeremy Hunt and we're anticipating some rolling back of the policies laid out in the uh, mini budget. Now Hunt is making a major announcement on the 17th that's before you hear this but after I record it so do look out through the week of the 17th for the latest interpretations of what's going on in Westminster and Whitehall from your REC team. I know the campaigns team here will be watching that statement like a hawk but also we're heading up to the 31st of October somewhat in propitiously Halloween for the major fiscal statement so watching that very clearly as a particular driver of the health of the UK economy and of the UK labour market. From our point of view though, what's really important is we still have a very tight uh, labour market, still lots of opportunity for uh, recruiters who get things right. Things are changing, of course, but there's a lot that we can do. And at the REC, we are launching a range of products gradually over the course of the autumn designed to help you plan for your business going forward. Do have a look at the Future Proofing Your Recruitment Business Guide that's on the REC website at rec.uk.com, where we'll also soon be launching a recording of Greg Savage's masterclass from the end of August on preparing for the market that's coming down the track. And of course, our data is available for you. The jobs outlook uh, comes out on the 19th of October. That's our survey of hiring businesses. We expect to see that less strong than it has been for a while, but I think really importantly, still not at particular record lows and we're seeing that reflected in our billing data our report on jobs which came out on the 7th of October which still showed a growing market in September although that rate of growth is slowing down we do expect a flatter market through the autumn this downturn does appear to be a bit different to previous ones because of that tight labour market so we'll wait and see how things play out but certainly opportunities as well as challenges for recruiters in this market and that's why discussions like today's with our guest Vanessa Raff are really important because it's what you do now in your business that will make the difference on thriving through the next few months. Well let's uh, turn to our guest for today's podcast and I'm absolutely delighted as we roll gently towards winter here in the UK to maybe do a bit of picking the mood up and who better to pick the mood up with than with someone who uh, defines himself as the head cheerleader and is sitting somewhere where they're heading towards summer. So Vanessa Rath, it's a real delight to have you join us on the podcast. How are you? Thanks, Neil. No, it's awesome to be here. This has been a long time in the coming. I'm great. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks now. So all good. A few people who are regular listeners might know you from some of your training activity with recruiters in the sector. Why don't you give listeners just a sense of what you do week to week and month to month and where your perspective is coming from? And then I really want to dive into some of this debate about candidate shortage and passive candidates and thinking about personal brand of recruiters. 
Perfect. Excellent. That sounds great. So let me introduce myself. So I'm actually sitting in Johannesburg in South Africa at the moment. And you're right, it's very warm. We have skipped spring again and launched straight into summer. And what do I do day to day? So generally, I find myself for at least four hours every day standing at my standing desk and delivering talent sourcing training, mainly to the UK, actually, which has been amazing. Um so that's what I do. That's what I love. That's what I'm passionate about. Um, I'm a qualified teacher and that does help with my talent sourcing training. For the rest of the time, I'm working very hard on my brand, which we're going to be talking about later. And I also work as a freelance talent sourcer. So for me, I think it's important to stay updated. I'm in the trenches with the people that I'm training. I know how difficult it is to find talent. I know how difficult it is to get talent to respond to you. So that's why I keep doing the freelance sourcing, just so that I can keep learning. And I tend to really update my training on a weekly basis. And the rest of the time, I spend time traveling around speaking at conferences. So it was great to see you when I was recently in the UK. I've since been to Sydney in Australia, and I'm off to Seattle soon to present at a SourceCon event. So yeah, lots of that. Um, other than that, we are looking forward to moving down to the, the coast next year and having a little bit of change of lifestyle, not retiring, but uh, having a better quality of life. Fantastic. Down where the air is thicker and the waves are bigger, eh? Absolutely. <laughs> well, let's dive into this a little bit, because one of the things that really occupies my mind right now is a phrase Neil Morrison, who was uh, a speaker at our conference this year, said to me while we were prepping for the conference, he said, Neil, the real thing here is I don't want recruiters to tell me it's difficult. I know it's difficult. That's why I want good recruitment to be uh, to to service my company this 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 kind of tight market in the uk is a is a an opportunity for the industry but it's only an opportunity if you get it right and of course a big part of that is accessing passive candidates not just active candidates why do you put a premium on getting hold of those passive candidates so to be honest, I actually put a premium on both because let's face it, it's easier if an active candidate approaches you and says, hey, I've heard good things about you in the industry. Will you represent me? Will you partner with me? Because that's going to make an easier placement for the recruiter, isn't it? But the only way that candidates these days are going to find us is if the recruiter is working hard on building up a personal brand. So I don't sit and say that passive talent is better than active candidates. It's just about who is finding you and what stage are they at their, in, in their career? So passive talent is important. You know, we can't just rely on posting adverts and hoping people are going to apply because it's definitely not happening as frequently as it did previously. But we need to actually tap into both markets and with giving no preference to either side, in my opinion. So that's really interesting and fascinating that you positioned the active candidate discussion in the way you did which is how can i champion you how can i put my arms around you and help you move your career absolutely because it's an important decision yeah real service view absolutely and it's such an important decision and i think that you know that's what recruiters need to realize i mean after someone deciding who they're going to marry and where they're going to live the third biggest decision is their career and we really need to partner with our candidates 
And at the end of the day, recruiters should be happy when people are approaching them because half the battle's been won. The person's already on the market. They're ready for a change. They're ready to move. That's going to be an easier placement than you having to reach out to passive talent and first of all, persuade them that they need to leave their job and then to try and get them placed at another company. So, you know, I'm not saying always take the easy route in life, but it does make sense to embrace both active and passive talent these days. Well, and that active talent point is really uh, telling because some of this is about not regarding any of these candidates as just feedstock for the <laughs> process, but making sure that each one is an individual because you never know whether that person is a future client, whether that person is someone you're going to place, whether that person is someone who, you know, the best stories are where uh, someone comes back to a recruiter, not because the recruiter placed them, because they went through a process and and they were really well well treated. So I think that's absolutely uh, spot on. But just before we move on to that kind of how we handle the process piece, we'll start starting with how important candidate experience is to the development of the recruiter and the success of the recruiter. Absolutely get that. But of course, the thing about active candidates, the joy about active candidates is that they sit at home on a Sunday night and they look at websites for jobs and they Google local recruiters or recruiters in their sector and they might fire off an email or on Monday morning, they might pick up a phone. That level of activity is joyous. Yes. But the challenge is very few people are doing that, especially in a, in a labour market with the kind of velocity that we're seeing at the moment in the UK. So let's talk about the purple unicorns, those passive candidates. What are the tools that help us get to that? Okay, now this is a super interesting question. And just to touch on your earlier points, I think recruiters need to realise is that, you know, if you're going to be a recruiter for life, your partnerships and your relationships are golden because, as you say, you never know who's going to become a candidate, who's going to refer someone else to you. And that, for me, actually speaks to a lot of my success in the recruiting space. But let me explain to you what some of the tips and tricks are around passive talent. And I explained, I can explain what I'm seeing from a global perspective as well as the UK. So as mentioned, I do a lot of training to the UK, but I also tap into global markets. And I start all of my training with this question. And it goes like this. Where are you currently sourcing candidates? And I'm not lying when 95% of people, no matter where they are sitting in the world, come back and tell me LinkedIn and their local job boards. And that for me is just no one's really differentiating themselves to say, you know, we're doing something differently. They literally, I mean, I don't know what they say when they sit in front of their clients and they win the business, but if you can't say we're going to go and look in different places and we're going to interact with different candidates so we just don't keep putting the same old tired CVs in front of you, I don't know how they're actually securing their business. So for me, it's about training your recruiters to think differently and to literally break their addictions to LinkedIn. And I'll go as far to say is that LinkedIn is actually responsible for dumbing down an industry of recruiters because it's almost made it too easy for us. I mean, here you've got this whole repository of people's CVs online that why would people need to look elsewhere until we sit in a candidate short market like we are um, at the moment. And now people are having to be creative in order to make sure that they are chatting with the right people. Yeah, that is really important and fascinating to just watch some of the discussions that, for instance, jobs board price increases drove inside oh, yeah. uh, recruitment businesses in the UK earlier in the year, where some of it was genuine anger at some of the pricing models, which I have every sympathy for. 
But other parts of, of it was agencies taking the opportunity to talk to their uh, consultants and say, well, hang on a sec. There are a lot of jobs over here that we filled with people that we already knew, but we found them via this route. There are a lot of jobs over here that actually were getting a much higher impact rate from other tools other than using a LinkedIn or a jobs board. That sense that we have a range of tools to use and the skill is in knowing which one to use when mm -hmm. and to approach people with that tool. That seems to me to be right at the heart of this thing that I've talked about occasionally on this podcast, which is recruitment as a tech enabled people business, as in the you need the tech to compete, but it's the people that create the value. Absolutely. And I'm definitely one of those recruiters who don't think that will ever be replaced by robots or chatbots or AR or anything like that. Parts of our process, yes, absolutely. Please take all the admin off me so that I don't need to do that because that's just a complete waste of time. But definitely, you know, the human touch is so imperative. And, and as you mentioned, we need to embrace the technology, but we need to be smart about where we are spending our budgets. So, I mean, if you were to look at the cost of LinkedIn recruiter licenses, the cost of job boards and the value that they're bringing, is it actually worth it? And this is what a lot of my clients are saying, particularly in the UK, is these prices seem to be hiking up. You know, for my example in this space is that if you're paying for LinkedIn recruiter, it's great if you've got a big team and it's distributed and it's global. But what if you were to use a tool that wasn't reliant on LinkedIn? Because, I mean, if you're relying on a tool that only searches in LinkedIn, you've only got, I think, 53% of your population, something like that, on the platform. Why wouldn't you go and pay for a tool that would search the whole Internet? Or why wouldn't you train your recruiters on how to be more creative and search the whole Internet when it comes to candidates? And the only thing I can think of is that people aren't people don't know what they don't know. And people aren't doing their research to see how advanced sourcing technologies have actually become in the last couple of years and why do they just keep on paying for the same old when there's so many new developments out there? You see, I think this is really important to the REC's work for next year and I'm already scoping out some pieces on you know, where's technology going here and how should agencies be thinking of buying it, bringing it on board and I think importantly, as always with technology, understanding what they're buying because the real risk is that you buy something where the vendor promises you the moon on a stick and actually it doesn't do what you need that that level of thinking is important exactly i've finished training a company and i don't want to say who in the uk this week who have paid a fortune for one of those tools yet what i've just done the training with them on is far more effective so I mean, just to give you an example, one of the technologies that I would hate to do without because I've got so used to it, it's not actually a sourcing software because I'm old school. I like to get to grips with Google or Bing and write a good Boolean search string and X-ray into loads of platforms. But the tool that I, I realize I can't live without is actually an email campaign reach out tool. So that saves so much time for me because I, I know that I'm thinking like a marketer where a recruiter typically sends one very long email up front and then kind of passively, aggressively follows up with, hey, did you read my email? Or, hey, I'm just following up with you. Or I'm just pushing this up to your top of your inbox, you know, which is just irritating. Where if you think like a marketer and you're using more emails to reach out to candidates, but drip feeding them information about the role, about the company, how it's going to assist their career, then you're going to get a higher response rate from passive talent. So for me, it's not always about paying for the fancy tools to find the people. It's thinking more about the reach out. 
Yeah, I want to ask you about some of that bullying stuff later, but we'll come to that because <laughs> that's dark magic in, in some of the series. But that piece around marketing rather than hard selling, it's that long process. It's a, you know, it's a bit like my approach to to bringing a, a new member into the REC. I'm not going to phone the chief exec up and say, it's time you joined the REC. We're going to talk about what the REC does and, yes. and why that matters to the business. So if we work through these these approaches and you're digging in and you're starting to draw the passive candidates towards you with some of these marketing approaches and you've got your active candidates in the pool already how does the process when it's operating well progress from their best Vanessa in your view so for me, it's a lot of uh, recruiters forget about this is that the old fashioned thing called the phone and, you know, not a phone that we can just you know, send WhatsApp messages on or check our Facebook or post on Instagram, but actually talking to people. And I think that that's where we're never going to get AR replacing recruiters. So once you've got the person's attention and they've responded to you, it's all about being a human being. So some of the, the things that I always say is before you send an email to someone who you've never met before, read it out aloud. Because does it sound like you? Because it, if it doesn't sound like you, are you coming across as being authentic and genuine? Because that's what other people respond to. You know, us as recruiters are trying to make a people-to-people -people connection with someone. And that's really important. You know, we're not just trying to put a bum on a seat. And these are things that we need to start thinking about more seriously because we can't just use a templated spray and pray approach anymore when it comes to candidates because they've got feelings. And we need to make sure that we're building that relationship for life. See, that's really interesting. So if I put my recruitment agency owner manager hat on here, suddenly I'm thinking, well, what am I incentivizing my staff to do and what skills am I developing? Because there's a certain amount of resilience in being a good recruiter in terms of being willing to really work the process and to stay focused, high productivity industry in terms of effort. Yep. But what I'm, my incentive package might not be structured to support the right behaviors. And it might also focus me on hitting certain KPIs, you know, outbound calls, candidates brought in. Those are all valid parts of the KPI mix. But do you think the average recruitment agency owner should be standing back and looking at the incentive structure and the skills structure we give consultants and just thinking, how does it change in this world? Absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. I'll give you an example. I actually started my day really early this morning and I did a training session at 6am to a lady in California. And her KPIs are all linked to her performance on LinkedIn. So what it does is it measures her outreach via emails. So she's turned around and said, I don't like emails. And when you've got LinkedIn turning around in their annual global report and saying, look, you know, we've got a response rate of between 20 and 30% globally for last year, I can understand why people don't like emails. So she would rather actually be sending an email. And so she is now not being measured because her activities aren't high enough because she's not sending emails. But she says, my emails get a much higher response rate. And I'm really good at, you know, finding people's emails and sending them an email. So that is a prime example of measuring the wrong activities. And I think that use tech to try and collate information and automate a couple of things. But don't rely on it solely so that you are forcing your, your recruiters to use one platform when they have the whole internet at their fingertips. I think that makes 
eminent sense. And, you know, if I'm thinking about what we're trying to encourage, you know, in the kind of value creation conversations that we are expecting consultants to have, in go back to your point of earlier about does that email sound like you? There's something in there about measuring not outputs, but outcomes in terms of the process and understanding where the value is created. If the value is created in the conversation between the consultant and the client and the consultant mm. and the, the candidate, lots of this speaks to kind of a Carberry hobby horse, which <laughs> is recruitment as a professional services sector. Yeah. And what we know about professional services, of course, is the individual brand. Yes. Consultants really matters. Absolutely. And you've already hinted that you might feel the same talking about the longevity of relationships. So tell me a little bit about your approach to, you know, if you're in talent acquisition or recruitment, how a consultant head, a desk owner or company should be thinking about personal brand. And I think particularly thinking about how they improve it from where they are now, whatever that starting point is. So very, very good question. And I mean, I just use myself as a prime example. I mean, here I am sitting in Johannesburg in South Africa and a relative, no one, you know, going back five, six years to now going and standing and presenting on stages all over the world, which I love doing. And I put it down solely to my personal brand. So it's all about, for me, standing out from the from the competition. And you can choose whatever platform it is. But the reason why you do this is you never know where you're going to be cross-referenced So, as a recruiter. So let me give you an example. A recruiter um, finds a talent somewhere. They send them an email. The first thing that a recruiter thinks is where this person is going to go and look for them is LinkedIn. Because a recruiter typically spends, you know, every every waking hour of the day on LinkedIn. But actually, that, that candidate is going to go and have a look on Facebook. Because that candidate would rather try and see who do we have in common, who are our you know mutual connections, do I know anyone who can kind of tell me a bit about this person, are they worth responding to? So everyone or a lot of recruiters have a pretty well-worked LinkedIn profile, could always be better, but they aren't focusing on their other platforms or what do they find when you Google this recruiter? Because a lot of people will do that these days. So it's about looking good online. And then back to LinkedIn is that it's good to build a good profile and have a good presence on LinkedIn. So this is where LinkedIn is great. It's wonderful for building an online brand. It's a shocking place to reach out to talent. So if you're focusing on your online brand with this, one of the things that I want to add here is that, you know, just spend a, a bit of time, fill out your profile and get into a rhythm of posting regularly. And where I see a lot of recruiters falling down is what they do is that they only post jobs. Now, that isn't helpful because that's pretty much like going to a, a social, professional social networking platform behaving like a job board. So you've got to add value. You've got to focus on building a community, building a network, you know, having the courage of your convictions to write posts that are actually going to evoke emotions from um, other human beings because that's how you're going to be noticed. And the reason why I say LinkedIn is because before people even know that they're putting themselves on the, the market, they maybe start thinking about it, that's the place that they're going to go and have a look at. But it's about recruiters just 
taking themselves a little bit more seriously, I think. I, I think too many of us are happy to be lumped in as that ugly redheaded stepchild of the HR department and don't think that we can be a, you know, a trusted advisor, a thought leader, that we can have an opinion on these platforms. So I think that that's something that I'd really love to highlight because how can people approach you and ask you to represent them if they don't even know what you do? That's incredibly powerful. And I think it speaks to the type of client you want to seek as well. Because if you're a recruiter or recruitment business leader, you want a client who's in it for the long term, where the relationship's going to strengthen. And I think you build that going to various conversations we've had on this podcast and elsewhere with client side HRDs and others over the years. I think you build that by starting to understand what the client's pain point is talking about some of the potential solutions you know there's a thought leadership thing that you know the sale doesn't come on the first call or the first conversation it might come on the second or the third yeah come at the point where they suddenly think i know what i'll do i'll pick up the phone to vanessa i'll pick up the phone to neil and we'll we'll have a chat about that and see what they can do i think that's a very powerful change in how we think about our brand as recruiters which is a recurring sale rather than a one-off and therefore if we think about it that way, it just further underlines how important the kind of the candidate treatment is at the yep. beginning of the process, as we were discussing earlier, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I mean, I think the internet's going to expose all of us. I mean, how many times do you come back from a weekend away or, you know, afternoon down at the pub with your mates and there you've been tagged or there's some, you know, pretty dodgy photographs and no one's asked you whether they can post them and you know, the internet, that's what it's going to do. It's going to expose all of us, but it's good for those of us who have good intent. So, you know, another one of my, my sayings that I talk about in my training a lot is that we are a brand, whether we want to be or not. So we may as well work hard to influence that brand and give back to others. So a lot of people think, oh, you know, I always see you online and people think, oh, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be the oversharer. But it all depends on how you do it. I mean, if you're giving back and you're sharing with the community and you're being helpful, then those posts are appreciated. If it's always pushing self and look what I achieved and I'm the top salesman for the month and those don't go down very well. But if you've chosen your niche and say your niche is finance or accountants and you're posting relevant articles to those people and they know that your articles are coming out three times a week, they're going to start following you and you're going to start building up a reputation as being the go-to recruiter in that space. So what you're essentially aiming for is you're right, you know, build a relationship with people that might not come from the first interaction, but you want to be that second phone call. So the first phone call is going to be to the person's partner to say, that's it, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm looking for something new. That was the last straw. And the second phone call is going to be to that recruiter who's standing out on the social platforms because they're talking this person's language. And I think that that's the gap that people are missing. Absolutely get that. And I think the so much of this is about consistency, professionalism, presentation of what you do and focus on kind of the problems clients and candidates have and not over-promising, yeah. but shaping their understanding of the issue to the point where they say well this is someone i want on my side coming back to what you said earlier i've got one more question vanessa before we close this because i'm not going to let you off <laughs> mentioning boolean method earlier okay and not get you to explain what you meant so tell me about why 
Boolean matters to you. Okay, so Boolean matters to me because it's pretty much what my whole business is based on. But let me let me explain to you. So Boolean is pretty much this. In recruiter terms, I don't actually even normally mention the word Boolean in my training because it's notoriously been so badly taught that people are petrified of it. They stay away from it and they think that they're coding and it's just got a bit of a negative connotation. So in recruiter speak, when I talk about Boolean, I talk about when you sat and met with the client or the hiring manager, what did they say to you were the must-haves that this candidate must have and what were the nice-to-haves? And then we go and start with the must-haves and we break those down into keywords and with those keywords, we give synonyms, okay? So in case the candidate represents themselves um, differently. So for example, we don't necessarily want to go and have a look for a CFO. We want to look for a CFO or a chief financial officer because you don't know how that candidate's going to represent themselves on different platforms. So as soon as you've got your keywords that are the must-haves, and you've got a couple of synonyms for that, you can pretty much take the key, the rest of the keywords out of that role description, and then you can use them to do what's called an x-ray search. So you can then go and x-ray into sites like LinkedIn, like Facebook, like Twitter, like Instagram, like GitHub, like Behance, any platform really, and you can use that to go in the back door. Now, by going in the back door, and this is where you've got to ask a South African to do the training for you because we don't like to pay for anything, especially when you're multiplying it by extortionate amounts um, uh, <laughs> from rands to any other currency. We're recording this on the day when the pound is having one of its moments. So it, it, <laughs> South Africans might be getting cheaper <laughs> gradually in the UK for once. <laughs> Interesting. You then can go and you can x-ray into any platform without signing up, without paying for LinkedIn licenses, which are a complete waste of spend, to be honest with you, in my humble opinion. And you can x-ray through the back door into the platform and you can find the people that you're looking for. So all of that through being able to identify keywords, put them into a Boolean search string with a couple of synonyms. And then our end goal is always going to be Let's look for an email and let's try and or phone number and let's rather try and email or phone the candidate. Let's not give the power to an in-mail. We don't need to do that. We know response rates aren't great. So let's rather try something else, do something different, be creative, maybe even throw in a video to the passive talent and just be different. Because at the moment, everyone's doing the same thing and it's not getting businesses very far. That is fascinating. And it, it goes right to the heart of Clever use of the technology allied to a human being doing the contact. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it is. The, the, we are using the technology to make us better recruiters. That's important. And that's that's what it should be about. Yes. It's, it's about the tech taking on the stuff that can be processed and the stuff that helps us manage the the wealth of data. Because, you know, if I think back to when I started in recruitment in the 90s, We've got vastly more candidate data available to us now oh, yes. than we than we had back then. The challenge is how do we see through? It's that X-ray point, which is really really powerful. And I think you'll have whetted a few appetites to understand this better. Awesome! If listeners want to find you online and and learn a bit more about all of this, where can they find you? The burning question. Well, I'll put it this way. I'm pretty much on every platform. I'm probably the easiest person to find. Vanessa Roth on LinkedIn or my website is VanessaRoth.com. So seriously, whatever is your favorite platform, reach out to me on there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. 
Yeah, the exciting news is that my training is going to be online next year. I'm booked time in a studio in January, so I'm not going to be the bottleneck in my own business anymore. And hopefully I can train more people, which is going to be awesome. Amazing. Vanessa, thanks for giving up half an hour for us today for the podcast. Lots of content there that I think is really right on the button in the UK market in terms of passive candidates, recruiter brand, and also thinking about our approach to search in places like LinkedIn. Really appreciate you giving up your time. Absolute pleasure, Neil, and good to catch up with you. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you very much. I am actually going to the pub with a few friends this weekend i shall attempt not to have any photos taken which uh, match the texts that you set out earlier <laughs> good good a bit boring for the rest of us but better for your brain exactly so <laughs> what a great discussion that was with vanessa really enjoyed the insight that she brought to the challenges of talent acquisition looking after clients and candidates and a really another fascinating insight into some of the things that we control as recruiters that we can make a difference on even at a time like this when everything outside the window seems like it's a bit stormy if you want some more food for thought uh, greg savage's episode 15 of this year talking about going into this market and how to survive and thrive in 2023 or if you'd like something a little different you know how do we change how we think about how people work in our industry and how the people we place work well, there's a really great episode, episode 13, uh, with Tessa Hollingworth of Hayes. Tessa is a senior recruitment leader who works part-time and talks really impressively and persuasively about changing how we engage and manage and develop people who want to work in different ways. Yes, for our clients, but actually also in our industry. So well worth a listen on that one as well. Thank you very much for joining us today on this episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you again soon for another episode. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon. And check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.